Hello, Buzz and Buddy. This is your host, Angelia, and thank you for joining me as we explore the topics of passion, healing, and growth. So let's get started on our deep conversation. and buddies this is your podcast host angelia and you're listening to deep conversations um today's conversation is going to be talking about mental health and the purpose moving forward regarding my platforms because it's become obvious and imperative that um i need to speak up to save lives I have been given the voice I've been given the gift of a voice by God to speak on the issues of mental health, my experience navigating solutions in my community in the Bay Area, experiences in my own family as well as ongoing ableism that I experience every day multiple times a day utilizing a psychiatric service dog to mitigate the symptoms of preventable trauma. Had my community as a child been able to recognize childhood trauma and sexual abuse, I would not require the service dogs that give me um, this level of discrimination every day. So, um, I would like to start with, um, just a brief moment of silence for the many people in this world who due to their disability or due to their depression, um, anxiety, whatever it is, chose that they no longer wanted to be earthside. And so we're going to take a moment of silence for those people because that's why I'm here talking today. According to the CDC, the degree of sexual trauma and childhood abuse that I experienced, as well as the dysfunction from my family, I have what's called child adverse experiences. They're called ACEs. It's something described by the CDC, and the statistics are overwhelmingly negative for someone in my position. Um, someone who has gone through seven or more child adverse experiences um, will have a thousand, a thousand and twenty-eight percent. I did not accidentally see a zero between the one and the two. It is a thousand and twenty-eight percent chance of committing suicide by my own hand. So that's tenfold in English. And I'm realizing that there's nobody like me because we're all dying. And we are not even making the news because unaliving oneself is a private matter. I understand a lot 
why there are people that have chosen to not be Earthside as it relates to navigating mental health in this country. I'm going to explain to you why I have the tone that I have for this podcast episode and why I have to take this uh, seriously as it relates to building a platform that supports people having psychiatric service dogs for their mental health. Um, I went on a date with somebody who works at a museum and I brought only one dog because it's hard to date and having two psychiatric service dogs can be overwhelming for anyone. So I only brought one um, and I kind of ease them into the idea that one is retiring and the other is taking over. So for a brief moment, there's going to be two. He sits down and the first words out of his mouth are not even what my name is. Um, he asked me, I was sitting there with a friend who was telling me about how I can take the LSAT and study for it now that um, some things have changed as it relates to um, some of the um, requirements. And so um, anyway, I'm sitting there with her, with him. She leaves after a few minutes of, you know, talking and the first words out of his mouth are, do you take medication? Do you go to therapy? Do you have BPD, which is short for borderline personality disorder? Because you remind me via mannerisms exactly of my girlfriend who committed suicide three, uh, three months ago. And I cannot date anyone that has mental health issues. Now, I'm going to say that I had to use every single skill <laughs> that I had to not cry or be really offended because not everyone that experiences trauma goes and unalives themselves. Um, some folks are still, you know, navigating ways to move through things in a way that doesn't harm themselves or others. And so I tried to move through the offense. And then I could see he was really hurt, obviously, by these actions of his girlfriend that he still spoke about in the present tense, which I relate to from my mom passing. And I'm talking publicly on this platform right now because this man told me that the words that I shared with him about um, what she may have experienced as someone who suffered childhood trauma, because um, that's usually the main factor of having that um, diagnosis, um, is that number one, you don't know that you have it. And number two, you notice it because your relationships are falling apart. And number three, um, it's really difficult to find unconditional love in adult relationships that um, are inherently conditional. The anecdote for borderline for um, 
see PTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder for a lot of these um, disorders. The anecdote is belonging and a loving partner and a best friend, seriously, deep connections um, that a love you when you are unlovable. That's literally the answer. So imagine the whole reason of having the personality disorder or trauma is due to the inability um, from, you know, the inability to navigate successfully emotions and interpersonal effectiveness. And then the literal anecdote is what is the product of being able to be interpersonally effective and regulate emotions, which would be having deep connections, belonging, and, um, you know, love that reminds you of who you are when you're not yourself. So that's hard to work around. And I started saying stuff like that to this man and he starts weeping. He starts weeping, weeping because he's starting to see my perspective for her perspective. And the words out of his mouth were, I wish, and I'm going to try really hard not to cry. I wish I would have listened to your content sooner. I wish I would have known you sooner because I would have watched it and I would have communicated with her better and maybe she would be alive today. Um, and so I did not ask what her name was, <laughs> but to the soul of that woman, I'm doing this for you. Your boyfriend said that you would have benefited from my service dogs, and so I'm doing this for you. I'm also doing this for my mother, who struggled navigating her own experience with mental health. And um, she actually died at the hands of a doctor for being um, bipolar. There was a settlement. I'm not making it up. So, um... I'm sorry I couldn't do it for you, Mom. It hits me so, so hard to talk about these issues. And I don't think people want to hear me crying. But people are dying. People are dying. People are dying and I live in San Francisco and I'm constantly navigating accessibility issues as it relates to people gatekeeping my literal ability to enter a location. And it's starting to not only wear on me, but it's just not okay in San Francisco where it's already so lawless. It seems very inappropriate that I would be policed at all in such a lawless space. <laughs> like, honestly, following the rules in San Francisco is do you pay rent? Um, do you pay for stuff when you go to the store? And uh, do you pick up your poo when you have your dog take a shit? And if you can do those things, you're okay in San Francisco. Like you do not have to be uh, nice, kind, help anyone, do anything, believe in anything other than yourself. Um, really, it's a very bare minimum standard uh, here as it relates to that. So it's very strange that I would have so much police presence often as it relates to me educating individuals about psychiatric service dogs or 
complying with requests as it relates to how they think my service dog should look or be or have on their bodies. And uh, I want to talk about the issue as it relates to me being public property. I am not public property with my psychiatric service dogs. Um, I'm not only being denied access to locations, I have literally been told that I have to wear a sign not only on my person, but on my dog to demonstrate what my disability is so that I can then take up space in San Francisco without harassment. I just want to say that even when I've had the sign because one of my dogs is 12 years old, I have still been harassed and told that I'm all of these evil words that are used towards women uh, because I say no to touching the dog. Um, it's very weird that Harvey Weinstein does not get to maintain and hold the excuse that people were cute as to why he touched them, but it remains unclear why everyone is touching me and my dog as it relates to us being cute. Um, my beauty and my dog's spots do not allow for people to touch us. Um, and so you're like, well, how does that have to do with what that guy from the museum said about his girlfriend? And I'll tell you this. What I experience every day just trying to have a service dog because my community let me down about noticing abuse um, and pulling me out of that situation because as a child I'm not able to discern that for myself. Um, you know, it becomes a problem that I have found an effective way to integrate into society successfully without being a menace to society. And I am burdened with hardcore overt civil rights violations. The laws exist for a reason because they were fought for. And so um, rights disappear when they just become words written down. It needs to be severely offensive that anyone who is faking having a service dog as a way to allow their dog to go inside or as a way to to um, get a discount for a, a service uh, fee for bringing a pet. Um, that's a felony and it needs to be honored and disgraced as a felony. Not, oh, that's so smart or, oh, it doesn't matter. Nobody can get us in trouble anyway. That's not very moral. We don't, we don't just do things because we're not going to get in trouble. We don't do things because they're not okay and they infringe on somebody's right or, or autonomy. And so um, I have to speak out on this issue because that woman died um, because she did not know that a psychiatric service dog would benefit her because it wouldn't in today's society because there's no platform available for an individual with a psychiatric service dog. What movie or model have you seen that has a psychiatric service dog? I actually applied to be a part of... Um, good American genes. And they said, give us a reason why, blah, blah, blah. And mine was advocacy for disabilities that are invisible. And um, I got a discount for the genes. So people kind of walk the walk, but are they talking the literal talk? Um, I've had people say that I'm so talented. And then when it gets to really the nitty gritty of you know, either compensating or moving through the task of being said talent, um, it, it, it all falls apart. And you'd say, okay, Angelia, where are you doing things to make those things fall apart? And I wish that I could tell you, yes, I will confess that sometimes the way that I communicate is not the most helpful towards my solution. But 
you know, I'm, I'm still in communication with individuals that see my talent, but I just need it to happen quickly. And it's just not, you know? And so I have to take my talent into my own hands. And so what's my talent? Being an advocate. Um, I am writing this podcast as we speak, uh, just doing it um, improv style because too much has happened too soon for me to not raise awareness about it. And I cannot believe that I live in San Francisco and there's not a safe place for people that have disabilities. I mean, I have had incited violence on me in this city because of having a disability that is maintained with a psychiatric service dog. I am not making it up. I have required uh, police to stand with me at a bus stop and make sure I can get back on the next one due to like literal serious threats against me for having two leashed psychiatric service dogs. You're allowed to have two. So this platform's gonna educate, this platform is gonna speak for people that cannot anymore from as I've described to you. And um, this platform is certainly going to share and educate how to get a service dog if that works for you. Um, because here's the thing, if we all took the time and energy to train our dogs to, to, to at least attempt to be service dog level in terms of their behavior outside, you know, the issues that I navigate outside would be less so and the issues that people have in the public would be less so because as a community, we would already enforce um, discipline and, and I just mean in demeanor, uh, a disciplined demeanor from our dogs. Um, it remains unclear that we have how many unhoused individuals in our community that maintain what they're calling a, a service dog. And we don't have any trainers out here teaching these dogs how to effectively be in public access. So the individuals that are contributing to the narrative that prevents me from being able to walk into a location are also not being provided the resources necessary to like not have to mitigate those issues. Because I'm telling you right now, if I was unhoused living on the street, mitigating a fentanyl addiction because I needed a way to relieve myself from the um, severe emotional and physical pain of being unhoused, um, I don't think that I would necessarily also have the wherewithal to navigate effectively um, training my dog when I also don't have access to a bathroom, treats, poop bags, or any of the stuff that people honestly require to maintain and have a service dog. Um, I'm also unclear why there's so many dogs in San Francisco and as a collective, we haven't navigated like a poop bag program. And I've even been on, dis on, on, on like district three committees trying to navigate trash and uh, poop in our like community and it doesn't go anywhere. The solutions don't solve the problems and it's all very performative. So I can't just sit here anymore and take it. And some people, if you have a criminal justice minor like I do, if you go into a prison right now and you say, why are you here? When you get to the nitty gritty around the facts and all of that, you're gonna find that they're there for justice their sense of justice because the system that they were playing into failed them and they wanted their own sense of justice. A very small 1% are truly the evils that the iron bars are intended to keep behind bars. Most are individuals that are having a human response to feeling extremely frustrated 
from either a system or a society or a group of individuals that just seem to like not be getting it as it relates to allowing them to exist. Now, I'm not going to get into that study right now and dissect all of it, but that is all to say that if I'm not using my voice to advocate, what's left is that people are killing themselves or becoming incarcerated at the rate of 87% if you have more than 10 child adverse experiences. Okay, the stress involved of mitigating a life that has no support after all of this dysfunction has occurred. Scientifically on paper, you have 300% chance of getting cardiac arrest or disease, even if you live a life of no smoking, constant exercising, and never ate um, a trans fat a day in your life. So people are dying and it's like a serious problem that there is just a sad narrative around supporting people around mental health. I'm gonna open you up to something. I took also a minor in philosophy and I can tell you the most suicidal people I have ever met are philosophers. What happens is that when you realize you don't wanna die, you move around other ideologies that then describe the life that you intend to live because you're choosing not to die. That is philosophy. So what I think is happening is we live in a very intelligent world that also has a lot of corporate greed. And so what I think is happening to a lot of people, which I also think was happening to me, is that we're having rational communication in our minds about the purpose of our lives. The purpose of our lives. What are we here for? Why am I doing it? And you wanna know something? Everyone's freaking out about AI because it's bringing right to the surface. What do you contribute to this world? It brings right to the surface what is human and what is not, and the ambiguity between all of that is, is where I am nervous that we are creating socio and psychopath robots. And so we need to be having the conversation of mental health because we don't even know how to treat the humans in our world. And there is not a scientific um, 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 set of data um, that says when we program, when we program AI and when we program technology, we are programming in our biases. That's why it's very dangerous to have um, auto recognition features for African-American individuals because they're literally putting in their biases in the coding. That's why certain individuals can't be picked up on uh, green screens or, or um, certain filters, things like that. And when you look into the nitty gritty of why, it's because they're coding in their literal biases, okay? And so what I have a problem with is that most of the people that know how to code are individuals that are privileged, individuals who, you know, um, may not know how to identify their biases and then not code that into the robots that they are now building. And so then if we're also not including, you know, morals or a sense of, um, wanting to stay alive 
what you have created is a like a superhuman that does not give a shit and is really smart and um those types of people have conquered the world so it is not weird that we would think that something artificially human would think gee should i conquer the world How, have you ever looked at your history book what is it talking about people who've done what rich white men who have done what what is currently building all of this stuff rich white men and let's be very clear if you've taken an um anatomy class or a anthropology class you're gonna learn that evolution of the human being bipedal is not the most ideal as it relates to our ability to function as a species and what i don't understand is why are we so full of ourselves as a human species that we think that we have to make something in our likeness in order to create an effective um machine system that supports human life i think that there are other um, physical molds like if you've ever watched interstellar um the robots in that movie were real u.s intelligence um bots and they were like square and rectangle and stuff and it's actually stated in some of the fan mail or excuse me like the fan you know writings of of that movie interstellar that had TARS not been in that shape when they made it to that um, planet where they just had a huge 300-foot ocean and nothing else, uh, when TARS was instructed to go grab... Um, oh, I forget her name. Um, you know, go grab her from the ocean. Like, he could have not successfully done that in that time frame in a human body or any human body format. The human body would have not been able to propel through the water that way. Him being a freaking square is how he got to that and back into the ship so they could leave. Now, I understand that's a movie, but I'm also telling you that that has a lot of logic to it because that is a real, like, military device that exists and was used in the movie. So I am drawing off of reality when I state this. Point is, you're like, why are you going off on AI? Because it remains a problem that if we cannot identify disability and mental health and human beings, at what point are we not going to realize that these, you know, artificial intelligence isn't going to recreate the burden of like human existence? Like, like, I don't know if I'm articulating that correctly, but it's like, being overworked and underappreciated has never led to anything other than massive revolutions. And if you're creating something in our likeness that has, you know, no morals in it, I'm not saying it needs to be fed the Bible. I think it needs to be fed every single religion and every understanding before it's allowed to also know how to kill. That's what I think. If any robot is being taught to murder humans, okay, it needs to also have the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, and, and, and even pagan religions. What are they thinking? Okay. Like it needs to have a sense of morality. And if somebody wants to enlighten me on other ways that humans have morality outside of uh, faith and following a higher power, I'm happy to explore how that also needs to be an AI. So 
the purpose of this platform is to not only like educate about humans, but also educate that because we don't know much about humans and mental health, we actually don't have a concept of how that's going to play out with AI. And so, and so yes, we're doing all of this. We're having these deep conversations. We're 27 minutes in and we've talked about unaliving AI philosophy, um, you know, like this is where it's going to be. And I think people really are craving deep conversations. I think people are afraid to have them. And so I promise to uh, do my best to ensure that none of my language is offensive or harmful, but please let us continue to respect um, difference of opinion or um, respect that my experience as an individual with an indivisible disability that mitigates it with a psychiatric service dog, what my experience is and how that might be different from your experience. And so I have to continue this journey of sharing my voice because if I do not, what is literally left to me biologically as a human or statistically on paper is to not do healthy outlets. And so what you will not ever hear is that Angelia um, succumbed to her mental health uh, uh, and, and that I should just have reached out to like a hotline, okay? So, so that's not cutting it. And um, there needs to be more than a hotline if people have suicide rates of tenfold. There needs to be more than that. And so I'm going to bring light to that because because I can, because I want to, and because I need to in an effort to um, maintain a free life. Going to the beach and buying basil with your psychiatric service dog directly behind you in tow as trained for the last 10 years should not have me surrounded by six cops on Muni, nor should it have me being touched by Trader Joe's staff, nor should it have me being followed around with a highlighted piece of paper that says exactly what I'm telling the manager at Costco, but because they just want me out the door, they're not even reading what they're handing to me. And let's have an honest conversation about prejudice as it relates to a disability. When you are assuming a truth about an individual based off of the way that they look towards you, um, that is prejudice, okay? Touching people without their consent is battery, okay? Um, calling the cops on people for having disabilities is unacceptable, okay? And um, in a city that you can literally do anything in, it remains unclear why my experience is what it is. Um, I'm on a first main name basis with the Human Rights Commission. I am trying to expand my community on TikTok because it's weird in San Francisco that there are not people with service dogs the way that I do it, except for maybe one person I met once at Kaiser. And um, this will be my life's purpose, is sharing my experience of how I moved through 10 child adverse experiences and using that information of lived experience to support other lives. And this will be my legacy. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening this far. Thank you for supporting me. 
and thank you for having this deep conversation. Thank you, Bosom Buddy, for reaching the end of my podcast. If you'd like to support in more ways beyond listening and sharing, please head over to anchor.fm forward slash podcast deep conversations, where you can really help me help build this sense of community and bring out the best content for you. Thank you so much for your support, and I appreciate your listenership. Bye, Bosom Buddy.